0: Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God
1: has created you to be. All right, I want everybody to say, good morning. Oh, that was only a couple of you. Come on, one, two, three, Good morning. Well, good morning to you. I'm so glad you are here. Today is a special day because we get a chance to open the Word of God. And at the end of service, we're going to get a chance to do a baby dedication. And this is so great. Uh, Two weeks ago, I got a chance to dedicate my own granddaughter while I was in Hawaii. What a highlight that was for me. And what a beautiful moment with the Ohana family in Hawaii. Today, we are going to continue in our... Series in First Peter. So, if you want to get your Bibles out or you can read on screen, that's up to you. But today we are going to be talking about the priority of submission. The priority of submission. When we've gone through this portion of scripture, we found out First Peter is a book that we could all relate to because the book was written to people who are going through some hardships. They're going through some tough times. They're going through trials. They're going through tribulations. They're going through troubles. You know what happens often when a Christian goes through those things? They whine. They don't realize God's still in control. Can someone say God's still in control? control. I have learned, I I think in all reality, as I I talked to the Lord, I was talking to him and said, God, we've been through a lot of problems. I mean, really have. Nobody really knows about them because I'm not one to broadcast problems or struggles or hardships and this and that. And a lot of times I'm all by myself in the process of them but I'm all. But God is always on the scene. Someone say God's always on the scene. Always on the scene. And I am so grateful for his touch. I am so grateful for his intervention, because when we go through struggles and when we seem like our life is a strain, it's just a strain. And and we see these situations arise. These are exactly the people that the spirit of God is talking to that are in that are in northern Northern Asia. I I, I, I want you to uh, Asia Minor was a place where they were trying to get out of problems, but they were still there. I don't know about you, but the reason why 1 Peter can relate to all of us is because it tells us and reminds us, as the Spirit of God is reminding them, all that God has provided for us. But this is what happens we forget what God has really said to us because a problem or a pressure becomes bigger than how we remind ourselves of the provision of God. Because when you find yourself under pressure, someone say, under pressure. Under pressure, under pressure. yeah. How many know that song? Anybody under pressure? I see a few hands. Well, so when you're under pressure, you have a hard time reminding yourself of what God's word says. And so you allow the pressure to be what you look at and you miss what God's trying to say and do. This is exactly why God wrote first Peter and used Peter to do this for the people who are under struggle. So we have learned so far in the two chapters, chapter 1 and chapter 2, that there's benefits and blessings that we receive in Christ. And he wanted us to remind them. That's what he did. Kept on reminding them of all those blessings and benefits. And if you haven't read 1 Peter in a while, can I challenge you? Read that first chapter. Go into the second chapter and really consume it. Not now, but later And really get into to see all the blessings that God has in there. The position and the provision that Christ has made. The circumstances and the conduct that God has asked for the believer to do in in these tough times. And also it shows a contrast and also a consequence because of unbelief. There's a consequence for unbelief. Because when you do not believe, there's a consequence with that. You think, oh, God can't do it. Oh well, no, God can do it. Unfortunately, it's up to God on some situations. 1 Peter 1, 2 says this. Listen to this. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Now, I want you to understand... That the scriptures, when talking about holiness, when talking about righteousness, you're going to find two, uh, two things. I'm going to call them two categories. The first category is this. An act of love for God and for others. Someone say God and others. You find that in this great command. To love God and to love others. Then the second one is is a decisive Rejection of every kind of evil or what's wrong. Righteousness and holiness consists of these two categories: loving God, loving others, and willfully, someone say willfully. Willfully rejecting every kind of other evil that's there. In first Peter chapter 2, we've also read in the previous messages together, it says, Rid yourself of all malice, deceit. Hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Now, if we're going to do this, if the Spirit of God is encouraging people going through tough times, what has to happen when you're going under a tough time? What changes your situation? What's going to make the difference when you feel a certain way? You know how you do? You feel a certain way, and it's so hard to get out of that feeling. Oh, you know, that's like that Toyota commercial. Oh, what a feeling! And you have a feeling, but it's negative. You have to change your mind. Your mindset, when it is not changed, becomes the greatest problem to your life. Your mindset. Someone say mindset. Mindset. This is important. Now, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Renewing of your mind. Here's the problem. We want change in our life. We want change in relationships, but we do not want to renew our mind. We do not want to change what's between the two ears. And what happens is that we get confused, we get discouraged, uh, we get every emotion known to man because we don't change the thinking. You've heard the saying, "Stinking, thinking. And that's exactly what happens to us in life. There is a story that I I loved when I read it, and it happened to do with the Special Olympics. The Special Olympics are just a beautiful thing. And there happened to be nine runners running a uh, 400-yard dash. They all got on the line, and each one of them had a physical or mental handicap. Or I should say, um, a, 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 a weakness. A, 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 a challenge, a handy, a handy challenge. It was, it was there on the line, and of course, Special Olympus, they're all struggling with something, and, but they had one deal that they wanted to do. They had one thing they wanted to do that day. They wanted to win the race. Anyone who gets to a line wants to win, amen? If you get to a, a race and you don't want to win the race, then maybe you need to readjust while you're in the race. Nevertheless, here all nine are ready to run. The gun goes off and all of them run as fast as they can. It wasn't too long, though a little boy tripped and all of a sudden was on the ground and he was crying. The rest of the runners, all eight of those runners, true story, all eight of those runners looked back and heard the little boy crying. Saw him on the ground. And there was one in that crowd, one of the eight still running, who stopped And said you know what I'm going to go help And as one turned to help The other one said I'm going to help too I'm going to help too Before you know it all eight of those Went to the one who was hurt They lifted him up They went elbow to elbow And they crossed the finish line Together The crowd went crazy They clapped and they clapped And they cheered and they cheered Of what they just saw but why did it happen? Why did that happen? It happened because each one of those runners had the intention of winning the race. They had the intentions to be a winner, they had the intention to get a gold medal, a trophy. But instead, they changed their thoughts. And it went from winning the race to caring for one who is hurt. And they changed the way they thought. And let me tell you something. This is where we're going to look at today. So let's take a journey. We're going to go on a journey today because we're going to cover a lot of portion of Scripture. And I pray you're ready. Put your seatbelts on. You ready? Come on, put your seatbelt on. Click it. Click it or tick it. Come on. Click it or tick it. All right. <laughs> let's go. Let's look at portion. At verse 11, chapter 2. Let's talk about personal choice. Personal Choice level 11 says this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. The last time we talked, we emphasized this portion of scripture and we talked about that we have to be strong and do the right things at the right time because this call of urgent is an intense call to change the way you're thinking, to change what you're doing. It's a real encouragement to, to abstain from those things that are going to lead you astray. And I don't know about you, but when you have inside turmoil, when you are, do not have peace on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. How is it going to show? Well, when you don't have peace on the inside, you're going to be cranky towards other people. You're going to be unkind to other people. You're going to have something not to thank God for, but to say what isn't happened. You know, most of the time, I want you to do something this week, this week. I want you to record all of the things you say from your mouth, and I want you to recognize how negative the things can be and how much a habit you can start to talk in such a negative way without giving any thanks. Hey, you, know, you know, you may not have enough money to pay the bill, but do you have a house that keeps you warm? Do you have heat on I mean you can always look at what good is happening But so often we look at what's not happening And focus on that And when we focus on that we lose our joy And so here it's talking about To abstain from those things Those sinful desires that will lead you astray And that war on the inside of your heart And I'll tell you it can be war is war I don't care how small it is or how big it is Because I've seen little wars become bigger Say amen Amen you know why little wars become big? You feed it. And what you feed, it grows. And sometimes it grows real big. Now, we talked about the five Ps of desire, and that is power, pleasure, prestige, position, and possession. And we talked about 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, where the Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so they cannot understand the gospel. There's a real, real war out there. It's a spiritual war. So I wanted to start off with, there's a personal choice here that the Spirit of God is challenged. Someone say, my personal choice. My, my personal choice. It's a choice to do the right thing. Now, I, I want you to know that Peter now is going to focus on what a life looks like as they're committed and connected to Christ. where are woefully submitted to God. When a person is willfully submitted to God, meaning they're all in to God, they want to please Him, not just a little bit of God. See, that's what people want to do. They want to have like a recipe, but they only want to put a little bit of God. It's like taking a recipe and they say, um, two cups of sugar. How many of you have done this? We've done this. And two cups of sugar, and for me, two cups of sugar is way too much sugar. And so we'll put a quarter cup of sugar or a half a cup of sugar. And how many know that that doesn't come out very sweet? (laughs) It may be healthy, but it sure not taste as good as two cups of sugar, does it? Let me tell you something. Sometimes when we are working with God, God wants you to put all his ingredients into the pot so that you can get the best of the results. He wants all of his ingredients. Now watch this. Not your ingredients. God's ingredients are better. Give someone a nudge and say, God's ingredients is better. (laughs) So let's talk about this word submission today. Let's talk about this word submission. Submission. Before we go to verse 12, submission is a word that we don't like in the human nature. We don't like to submit ourselves to someone else. We don't like someone else telling me what to do. Hot on time, I've heard this. Don't tell me what to do. i don't have to take orders from you. I can make my own decision. I'm tired of you telling me what to do. I I mean, I've heard plenty of that narrative over the years. Of people are so quick, don't tell me. You know, they're so quick to just puff out their chest like they're a chicken and stick out their feathers. But the reality, the reality is God wants to teach us what submission is. And submission is really big in God. We don't like it. But, unfortunately, it's part of why what God has shown, what he did, how he submitted himself so that we could have life, eternal life. See, the definition of submission is this. It is to stop fighting or resisting. It's to choose to agree or to accept something from someone else that seems to be opposing you. You finally submit. You know, when you look up submission, if... It's not in God. You see a lot of negative. I like the idea of wrestling. If you wrestled, you understand this because you wrestle to the point to try to get the opponent into a position where he has to submit and hit the floor and say, I I give, where it gives you the win of the match. You try to put your opponent into submission if you can't win points. Now I want you to get this when you look at submission any other well without God it's negative but when you look at submission with God it's very positive submission is a point where you humbly yield yourself someone say yield, yield, yield. you yield yourself to authority and that would be maybe your boss a teacher a leader it's important James says this about submitting. He says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he shall flee. This power in James 4, 7. Submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and not he might flee, he could flee. No, he said he will flee because there's power in the name of Jesus when you submit yourself to God. Really important. Now, let's look at this verse 12, public example. So you have this personal choice. You have this public example. You see, verse 12 says this. Live such good lives among the unbelievers, the pagans, the unsaved, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. I want you to look at this for a minute. Live such good lives... Among the pagan, among the unbelievers, among the unsaved—that's what he's trying to say. Live in such a way that others who don't understand who Jesus is will see something different about you. Now, sometimes people, when they make mistakes, they say, "Yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, I can be—I'm a lousy example." Blah, blah blah blah, and all they do. Listen—is there anybody perfect in this room? Anybody? Raise your hand, because we sure want to learn from you. There's nobody perfect, but we're all trying to be better every day. That's what it's about. And allowing God to shine through us. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we reflect the love of our Savior in everything we do? How do we respond to people? How, how, how touchy and, or snappy do we sometimes respond to people? Because we allow our emotions to dictate our path. Often we allow our emotions to tell us how we're going to behave Not the truth of God's word. But if we're going to, saints, listen, if I'm just going to be real, if we're going to live our lives, live such good lives among those who are unbelievers, there's going to be something in us that they see. If they don't see something in us, why would they want to even be interested in what God can do? Do we have a heart to learn and listen to what God's saying to us? I mean, do we? Do we live our life? Is it all about self or is it really about maybe you and others? Philippians 2 says to lift others higher than yourself. That's, that's a pretty, pretty strong command to think about others because we know, we know that we live in a world that everybody's thinking about who. Me. Yeah. Hey man, what about me? Hey, 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 what about me? What did Peter say when, when Jesus was saying things? You know, Hey, what about him? Don't worry about John, Peter. What's it to you, Jesus said to him. Said, the problem is, though, we're so worried about this, that, and the other thing. But are we ever concerned about what God's trying to say to us with where we are at the very point? Everything happens. Everything happens for a reason. And it's not always in the present. Sometimes it's long term. I've learned this. If you let God be God, he does show up and show off. Colossians 3 says this, verse 17. Listen to this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything you do, give thanks to God. In everything. You can't take credit for anything you do. You know that. If you've got a gifting, guess what? Who gave you the gifting? You came out that way. God just gave you the ability. And you know what? You can't say, look at me. I'm the best cook here. (laughs) Well, not me. I'm the worst cook here. But I'm just saying, I'm the best cook. You know, some of you are really good cooks. I could learn a few lessons from you for sure. How do you boil water? Does anybody know? No, just joking. (laughs) In all that you do, in word or deed, give thanks to God. And give credit to God. Give him praise. So if there's a personal choice how we are to live, then there's a public example how we are to demonstrate to others, here's where the rubber meets the road. Because we are people called to submission. Look what it says here in verse 13, 16. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to king as a supreme authority, the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right verse 15 for if it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men live as free men but do not use your freedom as the cover-up for evil live as servants of God oh this is such a powerful portion of scripture and this is going to learn, we're going to learn about submission, to submit ourselves. Stop with the attitude and the words that we use towards others and how we need to learn the lesson of how Jesus submitted himself to the Father so that we can have the liberty we live in. In the beginning of this portion of scripture, it says, submit or yield yourself into every authority. You know, today when it comes to authority, boy, oh boy, do people want to fight. People just want to fight automatically nowadays. People have a riff. People want to find something. People want to fight against something. They just want to fight about anything. As soon as someone does anything wrong, you agree with them, disagree with them, a little area over here, and they want to call you a bunch of names just because you disagree. Listen! Stop following the world's culture. It is okay to disagree. You are not all built the same. The Bible says, In the multitude of many there is wisdom. If we were all the same, life would be really lame. And then the scriptures would not be fulfilled when it says iron, sharpens iron. The problem is, we listen to the as a church. As a church, we really need to understand what submission is. Peter is going to really get into it, into every area, into every relationship, and how it's supposed to work. You're gonna love next week. <laughs> you see, when it comes to authority, children, adolescents, or adults, they seem to in different areas, rebel at different stages. Not all. Many people talk about the big rebellion and stuff like this. We never faced it with our our boys. But we talked a real lot throughout the beginning to as they got older. But there is what psychologists have called ODD. And it's really true. And I've seen it, ODD. It is simply called oppositional defiant disorder. And that is, whether it's a young person, adolescent, or a teenager, or even an adult. I've seen it in all three. It's when they have feelings like this. And it's really tough because when a person gets into a habit of doing it for so long, it becomes part of their character. That's when the ODD sets in. Feelings of anger at the world. Feelings of misunderstood or feeling like they're disliked, always questioning everything, actively disregarding rules, strongly dislike any form of authority, identifying as a rebel, strongly defends every action, not open to feedback or correction, blaming others for their own mistake. Now, when you take that, and you take most of those in the equation, you have a person that's not teachable. They're not entered into a teachable moment yet. But what breaks that is what breaks all things. It's love in relationship. Loving them where they're at to help them where they need to be. Titus says it this way. Remind the people to be subjected to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate. And to show true humility towards, get this now, all men, all people. I want to get on a little thing here for a second. Because see, I don't know where you stand politically, but I think it's really important to disagree with someone without offending them. Without calling them names. Even this whole Let's go Brandon thing. This is getting so far. It's such disrespectful. It's amazing how people will figure, uh, like one area because it's for them, but turn it around, and then they don't like it. But how about this? Why don't we do Jesus thing and treat all people with kindness, with honor, and speak to them with respect? Submitting yourself to those in rulership that you may not agree with, Is one thing. And you give the honor because of the office or whatever. But there is one thing where we stand up. There is one area where you finally draw the line. And it's sort of what happened in Acts chapter 5. All the disciples were preaching. All the disciples were proclaiming. And the religious leaders put them all in jail. Guess who showed up? The angel. What did the angel do? Took them out of jail. Where they went to go look at the disciples, there was a soldiers the locked door, but no disciples. Where were they? They were out preaching. God said, get out there, preach that word. So they're preaching the word. They finally came in and then they get the Sanhedrin together. And so now all the religious leaders are there. And here comes the disciples and they say, didn't we tell you not to preach in this man's name? Because you keep blaming us for his death. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, true. And so this is what they said. We must obey God rather than man. When there is laws that say one thing, but God says another thing, then you say, yeah, God says life happens at conception. And making a rule for abortion, because man wants to make that rule, that is wrong. I'm going to stand up for life. I have spent many, many, many years all right, a crisis pregnancy center, because life is important. And God knew Jeremiah before he was even conceived. He, he knew him when he was in the womb. He called him by name. The value of life. So when they make laws, but we don't have to call names, we do not have to belittle people, we love them even if they have a different point of view. Can someone say amen? amen. But we do proclaim the truth. Homosexuality is sin. God says it's sin. It's very clear in the word of God. We can make all the rules of, that man wants to make. It doesn't declare what God's word says untrue. God's word is truth. But that means we treat them just as kind as anybody else. Everybody is just important. And homosexuality is just another sin than another sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we sometimes want to elevate this sin worse than this sin. Sin is sin. What is the problem is every sin has consequences. And there are some consequences greater because of the sin. But we are to give respect. To every area of life and honor them and respect them whether you disagree or not. That's what the scripture says. Remind the people to be subjected to rulers and to authorities and to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Do not slander no one. Do not but be peaceable and considerate and show true humility towards all men. You know who I think did the best job in the scriptures about this? Being kind with their words, not slandering everybody just because they disagree with. I think Daniel. Daniel was the man. I'm not sure if I could have a shirt that says Daniel's the man because I would. I think Daniel's the man. That man had to go under three leaderships, three kings, three kings. And every king had a whole different personality, but you know he had favor in every single king. Why is that? Because he was a man of wisdom. He was a man of honor. He was a man of respect. He didn't belittle, but he spoke the truth. And when he had to speak the truth and put his life on the line, guess what he did? He did just that. I think we as believers can learn a lot from First Peter and how we speak about other people. When we have a congressman come in and that become maybe in the future here when you know whether you like him or don't like him it has no pro- it has no issue he's still a vessel of God who God loves who God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and what we need to do is look at individuals and show honor and respect towards other people even if they are different because don't you want them to do the same to you Now I know Sometimes that doesn't work that way, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it says in verse 15 here, it says this. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silent the ignorant talk of foolish men. You know, when you start to show kindness to people, when you start to work with individuals, you start to really show the love of God, people start to say, wow, there's something different about that girl. There's something different about that guy. Because the love of God is in us. So many of us become so critical with our words that we become more hurtful than helpful. You know, I have people come up to me all through my life, all through ministry, always want to tell me what's wrong. Have you ever been that? If you're a leader or anything, if you're a boss, if you're a leader, people are really quick to tell you what's wrong. And I want to say to them, Huh, I didn't know that. Do you know it's so easy to find what's wrong? If you're an inspector of wrong, you'll find wrong everywhere. But then I want to say, look in the mirror. And then find out what's wrong with you and fix you. Because when you fix you, you're going to be a happy you. I mean, you're going to be happy, happy, happy. I'll stop meddling. I'll tell you, here's the the issue. It's never the problem, but it's how one reacts to the problem that becomes the greater problem to your problem. Your problem is never the problem, it's how you respond to the problem that becomes your bigger problem. Because when you have a problem and you don't respond to it the way God has asked you to respond to it, you will have a bigger problem and then all you're gonna see is the problem, the big tree that you've created. When you have been wronged by others, and you will be, we all will wrong others. I will wrong others by accident. If I do, I will deeply apologize for that wronging. I have no problem saying, please forgive me. Is that true, dear? <laughs> I hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And even if I haven't been wrong, I have asked for forgiveness. That's what you do. Even when you don't think you are wrong, it's not a big deal. It's, it's to really help the situation so that we can move on and become what God's called us to be. But, but we cannot let our emotions lead us. Hello? Because that's what happens when problems come our way, when we have a disagreement. We allow our emotions to lead us versus what God's Word tells us to do. There's a big difference. And you can't apply God's Word unless you know God's Word. Because you want to know the author, you have to read the book. Someone say amen. You with me? <laughs> Matthew... 5 says this, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is really, really important that you and I understand. So we have a personal choice that we have to let, do not let sinful desires take over us because they'll create great struggles within us. We have a a public example that we live our lives among the unsaved that they can see god in us we have this understanding that we're people called to submission that is to submit ourselves to the authorities that god has given to us romans 13 very clear about that god has given us these authorities take away the authorities and guess what you have chaos I always tell people you take the lines out of a parking lot during Christmas time and your Christmas shopping is going to be miserable because everybody will park in that parking lot any way they want. You should thank God for lines. Lines gives directions. Lines gives order. Lines are good. So is discipline. So is order. So is authority. So let's look one step further and look at the purpose of submission in verse 16 and 17 it says live as free men but do not use your freedom as to cover up for evil live as servants of God show proper respect to everyone can everybody say that proper respect to everyone I don't know why we miss this in scripture And we feel like we can disrespect, be meanful, say mean words about people, call people idiots, jerks. Now listen, ask me if I've ever called anybody a jerk. Good, ask me, good. Yes, I have, yes, yes, yes. I have, at moments, in frustration, called people idiots and jerks, and they might have been when I've been driving. Is that right? No, it's wrong. Now, I don't want to because we're all human and sometimes people do stupid things. I just, <laughs> I just had a person the other day and driving down the road and I guess I wasn't going fast enough for him. I was doing the speed limit, probably about a little bit over the speed limit, but not much over the speed limit. And I guess he got frustrated with me that I wasn't moving at 80 miles an hour. So he pulls out, which I am so happy. Go right ahead. You have a gas pedal. Go ahead, my friend, and use it. And said, uh, instead of him just passing me, oh, no, 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 no. He didn't want to just do that. He was so upset because of whatever reason. He decides to be two inches from my bumper Let's see how close he can cut in to me where there's nobody in front of him and how close he can come real close to me just to let me know, you idiot. And I, uh, and I have to say that I did not become pastor right there. And I actually had a moment, and I gotta be honest, where a little road rage r- uh, rose up within me. And I said, oh yeah, buddy? I'll tell you, I'll tell you who I yeah." I stepped on my gas, and my wife said to me, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing, dear. <laughs> but it helped me. See, so we're going to have those moments sometimes where you have to get in check. And what would Jesus do? You know, I wear this. Where is it? Oh, I just gave it away. <laughs> I wear these bracelets, as most of you know, do what Jesus did. And I end up giving them away to people all the time. Oh, I gave it to Mary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and before when I was in Hawaii, I gave it to Darren. And so I always give them away to people so they never stay on my wrist long enough. But, but it's do what Jesus did. And it's a constant reminder that I must live. I must live. You must live. We must live. Way Jesus did. We may not be perfect, but God's still working on us. And that's what the sanctification process is. The process is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, as we yield to do what God wants, God starts to work in us and change it from the inside out. But only God can do that unless you want to change. Now I want you to understand this portion of scripture. You get a little carried away there, but it says this: "Live as free men." Now this is really interesting because how many have ever heard of zealots in the New Testament? The zealots, the zealots were Jewish men who hated the Roman government. Now look what happened. There was animosity between the Israel people, people of Israel and the Roman government because they claimed that they were. Free people. they were to worship God and they were dedicated to God, and they would say, they would say that they had an allegiance to God, and they would fight against Rome. What happens when you agitate authority? Authority agitates you. And so animosity started to rise up between Israel and the Roman government, because the, the Israelite says, "We want to be free to do what we want. But Rome said, well, you could do what you want, but you're going to have to do it under our rules. And so they clashed. And the more they clashed, the more oppression Rome brought on them. Now, I want you to think about something. Why was the Israelites under Roman dominion? It's because they were rebelled against God. And because they rebelled against God, God placed Rome over them. It happened over and over and over in in, in the scriptures. Whenever God's people got away, God brought someone else to over, reign over them. Now, I want you to understand something that's really important for you to understand. In fact, that, that the Romans were oppressing the Israelites, but the Israelites were sometimes giving them, uh, giving them the okay to harass the Romans and they thought their actions were right. Because their allegiance to God and not to Rome. Well, if their allegiance was to God, why were they under the Roman government? Because God wasn't first. They didn't put God first. That's why God put a judgment upon the people of Israel and had them under the Roman government. And all the rest of the Old Testament, whenever they did not do what God asked them to do. And when they pushed God aside. But at the end of this portion, it says, but as servants of God. A servant, the word servant is servant servant. It's doulos, and dulos means slave or servant. Paul the Apostle was a willful dulos, a willful slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to understand verse 17. Verse 17 says this. Show proper respect to everyone. Love your brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. I think this is a good way to live our life. I think this is a good scripture for all of us to memorize. Show proper respect to everyone. Does that include the person you like? Yes. Does that include the person you don't like? Yes. It includes everyone. Everyone is everyone. And then it says, love your brotherhood. Love the family of God. The ones you like and the ones you're not crazy about. Love them all. Someone said love them all. Fear God and honor the king, honor the one who's in rulership. This is important for us. Let's let me go on here because this is the important thing. I want to talk about this. This is before I land the plane. Let me talk about these last verses. The purpose of submission is talking about king, governor, how we live, how we, exi- how we. Um, live our life for others to see. And then it talks about the slaves that in Scripture. Because when you look at Scripture, you'll see the word slaves. And there were slaves all through the Old Testament and even some of the New Testament. Let me read this from verse 18. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable, If a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. I want you to know right now that in our world, in our world, there is over 27 million people right now acting as slaves in different areas of life. Slavery, unfortunately, has been from the beginning of the get-go. You know, you have forced labor, you have sex trade, you have unlawful recruitment of children to be soldiers, and I'm not mentioning whatsoever about those who are slaves to debt, slaves to uh, a drug, slaves to... You could be a slave to anything. You could be a slave to sin. But I want to tell you a little bit, first of all, that in Peter's world, in Peter's world, a slave had no right to demand right treatment. It was perfectly, watch this, it was perfectly legal, though morally wrong, for a master to mistreat his slave harshly. And the scriptures are full of thought and, and um, instructions. Now let me share this with you. This is key. I want you to get this. Our choices in life, And our relationships we have, the responsibility to God and in others is not conditioned on how they treat us. The way we live, the way we talk, the way we walk is not conditional to how someone treats us. We are responsible to what God's Word says and how we are to live. Sometimes we treat people the same way they treat us. Oh, yeah? You want to do that? I'll tell you what. I'll one you. I'll one top you. You know what? I'll show you how this thing is done. Hmm. That's not what God teaches us. That's just the flesh. It took, it was 400 years in this country that we had slavery that was nothing like when slavery was mentioned in the scriptures. The Bible does not condone slavery of the type in which existed in in this country for 400 years. And the reason why this happens is because there was a group of people who were against slavery and there was a group of people for slavery that it got so contentious that we had a war, war called the Civil War what frustrates me so much is when i hear the culture today talking about this and talking about this but our own country went to war over something like this and it was the war that killed more americans than any other war so don't tell me about color don't tell me about white black red yellow Don't it's not about color it's about looking at an individual and seeing What God has placed in each individual is looking at an individual that they have a value of God's DNA. And that there are people in the Civil War who believe it so strongly that they went to war and never came home for the benefit of somebody else. So when you look at this whole fanatical of critical race theory that just comes from the pit of hell, we need to get back to what God's word says. And the reason why mistreatment takes place is because God's word can be in order, but doesn't mean people obey it. Doesn't mean people yield to it. You see, you can have the law, but if no one pays attention to the law, then there's no good. Listen to what James says, Timothy says. It's really powerful. We know the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and the rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and the irreligious. For those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers, for adulterers, for perverts, for slave traders, for liars, for perjurers, and everything else that's contrary to sound doctrine. You see... When we look about submission, we need to recognize that we're submitted to God. Our submission is to God. Problem is we really need to understand what God's word says. In Exodus 20, 16, listen to this. This is what God said in his word. Anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or steals uh, and still has him should be caught and killed. Anyone who kidnaps another, or either sells him, or still has him, should be killed. That's what the law said. See, it's wrong to go to a different nation, take that person, and then come to another nation and sell them. God says that's wrong. God said he should be, he should die. See, I want people to understand. I hear this all the time. People say, "Well, there's all the slavery in the Bible." Yeah, yeah. But I'll tell you what, slavery—most of the slavery came because of paying off debt. Because they could not. They didn't have welfare back then. You owed a debt, how are you going to pay it? Sorry, you're not even going to get a check. There are many countries and today, you don't get checks for governments. That's another story. In Exodus 21 5 and 6, but if the slave declares, I love my master and my wife and my children, and I don't want to go free, then he had something he could do. He could be a slave forever. Wait, 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 wait. Why would a person want to be a slave forever? Because the slave likes where he's at. The servant likes where he's at. Because there's a relationship. Sometimes we don't have a problem when we say, when Paul says he's a slave of Christ. If you're dedicated and you've committed your whole life to God and you'll do whatever God wants you to do, Then you're a slave of Christ, a willful submission to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When I said, yes, God, I left all my stuff, sold all my stuff, got on the road and went to school. And it's been a journey since then. Total submission, total in God's hands, turned my back on a very, very large sum of salary. Why is it? Because there's something greater, more greater than anything this world can ever give. And it is the relationship we can have with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Peter is encouraging people under persecution right now. And, and they're suffering to continue to do right and submit to the laws that are there. And let God shine through them. Even in the midst of laws that are not right. See, we, 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 we Christians have become very custom To being in the majority. Christians have become very accustomed to having it easy. My friends, things are not always like they are anymore, and things are changing so fast because prophetic word is coming about. Prophetic word is happening every day, closer and closer. Get to know your God. Because he wants to get to know you. Let me just close. This was the last portion of scripture here. Dealing with the purpose of submission. Because I want to focus now on the submission of Christ. Christ demonstrated the greatest purpose of example of submission. And hear what he said in verse 21. Listen to this. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example. That you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he hurled, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, listen to this. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body and on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For we are like sheep have gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your soul. That is true submission. Is when you finally understand what Jesus Christ has done for you. Your relationship with God becomes so intimate, so real. When you really understand what he has really done for you. And how he anguished on the cross. How he suffered on the cross. That he submitted to the ones he created. He, The ones he made. He came into the world and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own rejected him. And yet while on the cross... He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you not see the great submission in great power of great humility taking place in the one in which we serve? And do you not think that even when you are wronged, and someday you will be, when someone will do something unkind, inconsiderate, hurtful, and even at times harmful, that you know, you know, That as you respond the way Christ would want you to respond, God will do what God does. Let me just say something. When God does it, he'll always do it better. He's a big God. Those people who think they're all that in a bag of chips, they need to be careful. God is the one who rules and reigns. And God is the one who has the very breath that's in their nostrils, in his hand. God rules and God reigns. Jesus submitted himself to the will of his father. Jesus chose to come to earth to provide a way of reconciliation. I don't know where you are, but Jesus wants you to be all in. Jesus wants you to truly be submitted to him. To make a difference. To be all in. To do it his way. To shine. To be an example. To understand that you have been called to submission to his will. And that our words and our actions must demonstrate what God has called us to do. And to what God has called us to be. Can you stand to your feet right where you are? I want to just challenge you. If Jesus is not your savior... And you don't know who God is. And maybe you're watching online. And maybe you're not sure about this Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. God wants you to know him. And God wants you to know him so that you can be, people can see him in you. Do people see Jesus in you? The way you live, the way you give, the way you pray, the way you respond. In the words you use. And the love you demonstrate. And the hands you care. And the way you share. Hey, it's not easy. I'm not saying this is easy. It wasn't for easy to submit himself to the cross. But Jesus has done so much for you and I. Philippians 2. Let your attitude should be the same that is of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, a slave. Being made in the human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, I ask right now for each individual that hasn't made you their Savior of their heart that they would simply confess their sins. They would ask you to come into their heart and life As they confess those sins, those attitudes, those things that are not right, they know what it is as they confess and say, God, forgive them. And Lord, as they ask you to come into their heart, Father, and as they believe you died on the third day and you rose on the third day, God, I pray as you died for them and rose on the third day, will you, God, do a work in them and through them. Father, I pray for each one here. And each one's watching online. Lord, as they recognize how they need to submit themselves to the authorities that God has given and to shine as lights and to be as salt, to watch the words in which they speak, to watch the actions in which they do, that all our words and our actions would not condemn others, speak truth without disrespect. I pray, God, will you help us to become people who shine your love and your light that we take a road that's less paved, less traveled, because that is the way you have paid for us to give honor and respect to all people because you love all so may the love that you have placed in our heart be demonstrated by the way we demonstrate it in the actions to our family, to our friends, to those we know and those that we meet. And if that's you, that you just ask God, that God would help you just raise your hand right where you are to, to submit, to watch your words and to how you respond. And because God wants to do a work. God wants to do a work. Father, touch each hand, I pray move upon each one watching online, that, Father, we would take the scriptures in which we have read before you today that now we are accountable for. I pray that they be part of our hearts as we praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. And all people said amen. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing
1: and that life is living in faith every day.